This episode is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Introducing DirecTV Stream, the best of live TV and on demand, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. So whether you want to catch the game live or watch the latest blockbuster, they've got you covered. And there's no annual contract. DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together at directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet and compatible device. Content varies by package and location. Restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Cox Home Life. Cox helps make your home smarter. And now you can pull up your home life cameras on your TV with your Contour voice remote and some simple voice commands. To learn more, visit cox.com slash thisishome. Are you worried about whether you'll get through traffic in time to make the meeting or your upcoming doctor's appointment? Are you stewing about whether the check will come before the house payment is due? Or what has your kid gotten into now? Yep, been there, done that. But there are a few things I do now that help me keep my worry under control. And we'll talk about it here, right now, right here on Polly Campbell, Simply Said. Simply Said is the place we come together to talk about the simple ways we can live well, do good, and be happy. And we might just change the world while we're at it. Are you ready? Let's do it! Well, good morning. This is Polly Campbell. You're listening to the Simply Said podcast where we talk about how to live well, do good, and be happy. And we're going to talk about something that I've studied and worked on a lot in my life, and that is worry. And not just feeling it, but managing it. And I'm here once again with my blogger and bestie, Sherry Sakanagi. Hey, Sher. Hey, good morning, Polly. Good morning, good morning. So worry. You know, I never have worried a moment in my life. Oh my gosh. I think it's so funny we are talking about this because it's kind of been a private joke between <laughs> some of our friends that Polly is our worrier in the group. I think I've gotten better at it. I think you've gotten a lot better. And that's why you're very credible when you talk about this because I've seen you work on it a lot. Yeah, I really felt like I had to work on it from between especially college and now. I mean, I worried about everything. I worried about what I was wearing. I worried about grades. I worried about driving. I worried about parking. I worried about everything. And it really started to get in the way of my life because what I've discovered that when we worry, we're we're not accomplishing anything. We're actually not working towards solutions or the things that can help us get out of that. You know, worry is really when we dwell on a difficult situation or a challenge in a way that contributes to our feelings of anxiety or upset. And often what we worry about are things, we're what ifing, right? What if my kid gets into this trouble? Or what if I don't get the grade? Or what if I don't get the job? We worry about things that haven't even happened yet is what do you worry about like what's on your list today well yeah that's funny because I was thinking like right now I'm like worried worry free today but here's I was laughing because I don't think really as a parent like from conception till the day you die that there is a worry free day because that when it comes to worry my worrying about my kids is like number one on my list. And I've got one at college and I still worry about him. I don't think I've slept a night since my daughter's been born and she's like 13. (laughs) And that's, you know, that's kind of the everyday worry, but in there, there's, there's, there's stress. So there's worry, there's stress, there's anxiety, there's different levels, but you know, you're just your general worry. I think there's always something every day, but 
are you managing it? I think that's a question because worry is not clinical, right? It can move into anxiety. It can be prompted by stress we feel. Worry is more about the rumination. What if this happens and I can't believe I've got to go to the doctor and what if I get stuck in traffic? And the negative thoughts like these, thoughts about what might happen in the future are more of a thinky. They're, the researchers call them cognitive. So while worry can move into anxiety, anxiety is threefold. It becomes a physical issue. It becomes an emotional issue. It becomes a mental or behavioral issue, right? Worry starts in the brain, and it's this insidious chain of thoughts. We can stop it before it gets in our way, and that's really what we're going for. Yes, and I, you know, I look forward to having this conversation and talking about some practical ways because I think if you can recognize when you're worried about something, that's when you can stop it before it becomes something bigger than that. And I have never been good at that. And a lot of my life spent in stress and anxiety because I wasn't able to recognize the worry. Well, and your anxiety moved into a physical component. It did. And, you know, there's been research on that. If, if, if my anorexia caused anxiety or if anxiety was a result of anorexia. There's a lot of research still out on that, but um, deaf anxiety can take a toll on your body if you are not careful. And I am living proof of that. Worry can be motivating. When I used to feel nervous or worried about a test, it would inspire me to get studying right? Mm -hmm. When I feel nervous about being late or worried about being late to a meeting, I leave a few minutes early. So it can be adaptive. And you feel the worry, you take the action, the worry is resolved, and hopefully you go into a solution mindset or a more positive place in your life. When you stay ruminating over those ideas, that's when it becomes trouble. So we want to shift gears today. You know, there's a lot people are worrying about right now. There's political unrest in our country and all over the world. There's, you know, the coronavirus. There's, you pick a thing. If you've ever taken a breath, you've had something to worry about. But what we know, and this, is, this has helped me, and this surprised me too, because when you're stuck in that flood of worry, it's really easy to think that these thoughts are true. And, and we know they're not even usually based on good information. Researchers at Penn State University had people chart their worries. They asked people to write down what they were most worried about and, and what was sticking in their brain. And then they went back and looked at those worries. 91% of all the things people worried about never happened. 91%. Most of what we are worrying about, most of what we are giving our worried attention to will never even happen. But what it does do and this will give you something to worry about, is worry increases fatigue. Your heart rate goes up. Your blood pressure goes up. I live with chronic pain. And I know that when I'm worried, it creates a tension in my body that changes my perception of pain. It makes it worse. It lowers our immune function. People that are worry works, that, that worry frequently, have lower immune function. They're more likely to get colds and flus. It changes their appetite. And you know, you and I have talked about this because when people are worried, sometimes we overeat or we overdrink or we buy things to make ourselves feel better or waste our time on the internet, whatever it is. And what happens a lot of times, like for example, if you worry about your weight, 
that worry can actually change your biochemistry so you make it harder to lose weight. That's right. And there's, there's a lot of science behind it, but it can shift your hormones. It can increase your cortisol and, and that gets your body prepared for a battle. So if you're constantly worried, your, your body is constantly producing hormones, preparing for battle. A battle that never really happens because the way a lot of us deal with stress and worry is we sit and Google how to solve our problem. We're not using the energy that your hormones are creating and it can cause your body to hang on to the weight you're worried about losing. That totally freaked me out. But then I've, I've really worked to manage my worry and, and it feels so much better because it feels like a weight when I'm stressing about all those little things and, and I'm out of control. You know, we have to remember that we're in charge of our thoughts. You know, we, we get to decide. And I'm really interested in this idea about the difference between stress and worry, anxiety, and how does it show up for you? This is really interesting. I had a really interesting conversation with a good friend of mine yesterday, and and what she said just hit it on the head for me. She and I had similar upbringings, kind of, and my mom was an alcoholic. I was raised in an alcoholic home. So I am a person that craves stability. And so when something threatens my stability or that, that just, I need everything to be okay. I go into stress mode. I immediately start to feel it. And so something that may cause somebody just a minor worry could send me in a tailspin. Money is one of those things. For some reason, some, you know, some people can live in credit card debt or have just a little bit in their savings. If I don't have a huge cushion, (laughs) I will stress. I will worry, 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 worry. It threatens my stability, what makes me feel comfortable. To me, it was when she said that, I'm like, yes, you know, what is what takes me from worry into stress is when it threatens my my need for stability. I think it's important, as we talk about on the show, about a lot of things, to know what that is for you. This is going to look different for each of us. Some of us have a much higher threshold of worry before it become something clinical or scary or, or something that makes us sick and others have a low threat and, and that's okay. Wherever you are, recognize that first of all, worry can be very adaptive. It's part of how we relate in the world. And sometimes when it kicks into anxiety and turns into something else, there's good reason for that, right? It's, it's part of our fight or flight response, our perceived threat. And that was used for generations to keep us safe. But whether your kid gets an F or an A, it's no longer a threat, right? Mm-hmm. When you're sitting behind your desk and you're afraid you might miss the meeting because the technology isn't working, we worry about that. We get stressed, and, and that's truly not a threat to our lives. So we need to manage our response to that. And knowing where you are on that scale, if you are a person that gets really worried about being late to a meeting, then you can adapt and put some things in place long before so that you're not late and you don't put yourself in that situation. Because when we tip over into worry, when we go from action to worry, a lot of times we get stuck in that and we are not as effective as we need to be to think our way out of the, of the moment or, or to deal with whatever's coming our way. The truth is there is not enough worry in the world for us to make a difference. If I am worried about the lump I found or the mole as it was 13 years ago, I found on my knee and I sat here and I stared at that mole for three years worrying about it, that action 
is not going to help me in any way. But if worry triggers action, I see them all, I think, ooh, that makes me uncomfortable. Something seems a little off. And I use that worry to take a deliberate action to get a doctor's appointment. In a very real sense, that saved my life because I was worried about them all. I immediately picked up the phone, made an appointment, was diagnosed with easily treatable melanoma. It was very early. And there you go. So there's not, you worrying is not doing a service to your life or the people you're worried about. If you have a friend who's sick, she needs a casserole. She doesn't need your worry because worry is not active. Worry cannot help. That's so funny that you just said that about the casserole. And I don't know why this is a pet peeve for me, but like, especially when I was in the middle of my struggle with anorexia, when people would look at me and say, I'm really worried about you, it drove me crazy. I hated it. I still actually don't like it because I already feel awful about my situation. And now you're worried about me too. Yeah. My worry puts a burden on you. Yeah, so I'm I really I really don't like it when people say that. All right. What should uh-huh. people say? How can we get ourselves out of this cycle? Because it's well meaning. Yeah. I mean people it are, is well meaning thinking of you, but how can we get ourselves out of this cycle? When you're worried, what do you do before you move into that stress mode now? My husband has actually really helped me with this. Believe it or not, I'm giving him credit. He might actually listen to this podcast if I tell him <laughs> I gave him credit. Sometimes when he notices I'm going from worry to stress. He'll just look at me and he'll say, what control do you have in this situation? What do you have control of in this situation? And it really, really helps me, especially when it comes to my biggest stress, which, which is my older son. He's caused me a lot of stress and anxiety over the years. I can't control him. He is 18 years old. A lot of things I have no control over. And once I recognize if there's something I can do or if there's something I can't do, I can calm myself down because if there's nothing I can do about it, there's no need to worry about or no need to stress about it. I can still worry about him, but I'm not going to sit here and stress about what I can do because I can't do anything about it. And that's been a really important, um, a really important point for me to consider before I let myself spiral. I think it is an important point to recognize what our responsibility is to the situation you know, is to our thoughts and it's to our actions and our behavior. And if you want to be there for your kids or your husband or your partner or whoever it is, you freaking out is not going to support what they may need in the moment. You need to be present to what the reality is, because like we said a minute ago, worrying about things is not going to change the things. So that's the first thing on my list too, is acceptance. And when I talk about this, I get a lot of frustration from people because I think people think acceptance is, oh, well, the house is burning down. I just have to be okay with it. And it is not. Acceptance is a non-judgmental situation. It's about becoming present, recognizing, okay, here's the situation. That's, That's it. I have curly hair. Whether I like it or not, me not liking my curly hair isn't gonna straighten it out. So why give attention to that when I could give attention to, you know, washing it once in a while or doing the things that could actually make a difference to my curly hair. Whatever it is, I I have rheumatoid arthritis. Me worrying about how much pain I'm going to be in tomorrow is going to do nothing except make me hurt more. And there's been studies on that. It's called pain catastrophizing. And they have found that people who worry about how much pain they might be in actually have more pain. So how does that help me? What I can think about is, okay, I have rheumatoid arthritis. Some days 
It's uncomfortable. Some days I'm fine. I can accept that. Now let's deal with right now. And it's a much more adaptive, healthy way to feel. And what I find is it leads right into my next coping tip, which is when you're busy, you're distracted. Worry can only happen when we're feeding our thoughtful energy to it. So it's when you're thinking of these ideas over and over that actually creates the worries and it creates a cycle that leads to stress and anxiety often if we don't get out of it. Well, when I'm busy, when I had the cancer, I had a nine-month-old baby and I was working full-time. I didn't have a whole lot of worry. I, I didn't have time to worry about the cancer. I was busy. Go outside for a hike. Go for a walk. Go to the gym. Vent to your friends. I mean, you and I do that. When I'm really stewing about something, I'll call you up and we'll talk each other through it. Because sitting here and going, pushing through those same thought patterns, that doesn't help me a bit. But accepting and then distracting myself with other behaviors, other actions, other health things helps me. I think that you've hit on a really important one there, which is when you are genuinely finding yourself worrying about something or something's really bothering you, just reaching out to somebody. I was having a really hard time with my older son going back to college. I was had some mixed emotions after the holiday. I just, I wasn't feeling good about our interaction. I was feeling, I just, and I just randomly texted a friend who also had a daughter going back to college. She was like, oh my God, I feel the exact same way. And it just immediately, I felt so much better because no one's really alone in their worry or their stress. I mean, somebody else is worried or stressed about something the same. Hers was the same thing. It immediately made me feel better. And I was able to let it go so much faster rather than just sitting here ruminating on how I wish our holiday would have gone. I think there's something so huge in knowing we're not alone. I found that with illness. I found that in a huge way, like you said, with parenting. Sometimes I'll call you or Lori or Megan and I'll just be like, is this normal? Did this ever happen with your kids at home? I think there's um, huge support in my community of writers when you get a rejection or when something's not going well for them to say, oh yeah, that happened to me too. Or yeah, that's really hard. Do that. Reach out and figure out you know, who to talk to and who can maybe offer some advice or a good listening ear or a perspective to put you back in your own. I think that's huge. And along that vein is my love of therapy. I mm. love therapy because I know. there's nothing like an objective observer. You could talk about yourself the whole dang time. Yep. Right. And we're willing to pay somebody to listen to us. <laughs> willing to pay to talk about myself. There's something powerful to have that outside perspective and a little expertise. So there's no, in my mind, there's no shame at all. I love professional therapy. I do too. I do. I feel, I feel like massages and therapy. That's all you need, right? Yeah, vodka. Well, there's that too. God, good point. <laughs> Your podcast, not mine. Um, what I love about professional therapy or a professional is when you do have a big problem, they really do help you chunk it down. So you can take it piece by piece instead of the catastrophizing that so many of us do, at least I do. Yeah, I'm willing to pay for that. A million years ago, when my daughter was about two and a half, three, maybe, I, I don't remember how old she was, but we were getting ready to potty train her. And I had this all figured out, you know, cause I'm that kind of mom. I read all the books and I make lists and I make notes and this is how we're going to parent our daughter. And I had a weekend all planned in November. We were going to take the whole weekend off and feed her with juice and sit around in the bathroom until she learned how to use the toilet. And 
it was like so stressful. I was overthinking this, which is usually my indicator to myself that I'm worried. When I am thinking the same thought more than say a thousand times in a minute, I'm worried and I need to get myself out of that cycle. So I was overthinking and I, I mentioned this to my husband and he said, and in rougher language than I'll use here, but he said, you know, she is not going to be peeing her pants when she's 16 years old. let it go. She will figure it out. And that was a good perspective because often what we worry about is, oh my gosh, my kid is three. She got the B wrong. She will never make it into college. She will never have a job. She'll be living with me forever. No, people, one thing at a time, chunk it down. In Al-Anon, we call that future tripping, which I love that word. Such a pro at. Yeah. What if, what if, what if, what if, what if. Yeah. Right. And remember the Penn State research that says 91% of the things we what if about never happen. And here's why. Because you can handle it. I'm 100% sure that you have handled crap before. And we're still here listening and talking with each other. So you have a lot of evidence to show that when things come down that are hard or scary or upsetting, things you don't want, that you can get through it. You may cry a little bit. You may vent to your friends. You may do whatever you do, but you will get through it. You have a lot of evidence about how resilient you are. So nothing to worry about, right? No worry. Bringing us to the Simply Nifty segment oh. too, where I talk about my favorite things and you told me you had one. Okay. I have this amazing thing and it works like, again, when I was in, in the height of my battle with anorexia, I was, I was an anxious mess and with no idea why usually. And somebody gave me a coloring book. Oh yeah. And not just a coloring book, but the mandala coloring book. And I still do it to this day. I would highly recommend it because when you think about it, when you're stressed or thinking about something, you're usually, you're on your computer, you're on your phone. These are things that stress you out even more. Put it all down, get a really nice set of coloring pencils and a coloring book. They're all over. You can find them anywhere. And like mandalas especially have, they're just repeating patterns that are actually shown to put you kind of in a meditative state and you just start to color. It feels so good. You can feel your heart rate come down. I promise. Try I love that. That's a great idea. And that is a great way for me to get distracted too. Like I really need to disconnect. When you said that, disconnect, turn off your computer, turn off your phone get quiet, put everything away. And that's a great idea. Simply nifty, get yourself a coloring book and some nice pencils. The pencils are super important. They have to be nice. Okay. Soft or what? Many colors? What? I didn't realize. Test them out. Test them out. I I like the testing out of office supplies. So I think everybody should do that. All right. Simply nifty. Get yourself a coloring book. I love that idea. And that brings us to the simply start segment. And it's easy peasy today. Just take a minute right now at the end of this podcast and notice where your energy is. What's kind of niggling in there? What are you what ifing about? Where's there a little tension? And examine it. Is there anything you can do about it right now? Can you take an action that will ease that concern? If you can, do it. But if there's no action to be taken that will ease that worry, accept what is and know that the what ifs, the things you're worrying about will probably never come to be. And if they do, you're more than capable. If you would have told me 35 years ago that you would be (laughs) doing a podcast about worry and stress and anxiety, trust me, you guys, Polly was the biggest stress case when I met her and she is just not. 
anymore. I've so learned she, a little something along the way. She knows of what she speaks. I, <laughs> I can give her credibility on this one. All right. I'll take it. I'll take any credit I can get. Every Friday, you can find Sherry Sakanagi at skinny-truth.com, her blog about recovering and living with anorexia. And I am at PL Campbell on Twitter, or you can find me at Polly Campbell author on Facebook. Join our community there and sign up for the newsletter and all that good stuff. I think when we come together and share these ideas, we worry a whole lot less and that can help us live well, do good and be happy. 